0: So good to see you guys, good to have you today. Hey, let me tell you about a ministry opportunity that we have right here at the church that you guys could help us with. Uh, If you look around, look around real quick, just look around, take a peep, look around. How many of you guys are single in the house? Raise your hands up real quick. Hi, hi, raise them high. Now everybody look around. Come on, hoping and scoping. No, just messing with you. But honestly though, if you look around, you'll see something amazing happening in this house. Uh, Our seats are starting to fill up with people, and we are so thankful for that. Come on, amen. We're so thankful for that. And so a great ministry opportunity that we have for you guys here at the church is when you come in... How about moving towards the front a little bit? How about squeezing in a little bit? I'm not talking about sitting in nobody's lap, hollow, but, you know, just move in a little bit, move up a little bit. Because when our guests come in, I mean, you know, if a guest comes in and everything in the back's filled up, they don't want to walk up. And notice the whole front up here is empty. Have you noticed that? So except for a couple of people there, but, uh, so yeah, it's just a ministry opportunity. So if you call the bridge Smithfield, your home, let me just encourage you to say, you know what? I'm going to be a minister next week and I'm going to move up a little bit. I'm going to move in a little bit so that we can make room. Amen. Come on, somebody. Can we do that? All right. Hey, we're in a brand new series guys called sound on unmuting the voice of God. And so we've been talking about how to hear from God. And so we've, we've just kind of started this series last week, learning the voice of God. We talked about that how there are six ways that God speaks. One of those ways, God always speaks through His... Word, yes, two of you guys actually listened last week. So God always speaks through His Word, and so one of the things that we've done uh, as the Bridge Church is, if you go on your if you go on your Bible app and look at that down Bible reading, there is a one year Bible reading plan that you can get involved with. Man, it's not too late to click on that. Get into God's Word, start reading His Word, and so we talked about last week six ways that God speaks. Now next week. turn to somebody and say, you don't want to miss it. Next week, we're going to deal with the issue that every believer struggles with. And that is, how do I get guidance? Should I marry this person or that person? Should I take this job or that job? Do I go over here or do I go over there? Which way is up, which way is down? I don't know. But next week, we're going to talk about that. You know, there's sometimes we have questions in our minds. Do I stick this out? Do I stay at this job? Do I move? We're going to be talking about that extensively next week. You don't want to miss next week to be here and talk about that. But today, I want to talk about how to position ourselves to hear from God. Again, last week we talked about the six ways that God speaks. Today, how can I position myself? If God is speaking, and I know that He is, the third verse in all of the Bible, what does it say? And God said. And then you go throughout the entire Bible, and the Bible ends with God speaking to the churches seven times. So God is speaking. He's still speaking today. So if He's speaking, and I know He is, how do I position myself to hear what God is saying? So that's what I want to talk to you about today. So Father, we thank You again for these moments. Lord, Speaking to our hearts. Help us to hear from You today. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you guys so much. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever needed something from someone? Like you just really needed something from someone, and so you started throwing out signals. Like signals so obvious, a child could understand them. And so you're throwing out this signal and that signal, and you're doing this and you're doing that, and how many of you know they still don't get it? Come on, and 99.9% of the time, ladies, it's the men. And everybody said, amen. all the ladies said, amen. You know, it's interesting. Uh, a while back, uh, I walked into the house. Misty was in the kitchen. And, you know, she just kept making these little comments. I couldn't figure out what was going on. She said, uh, kind of dark in here, isn't it? I said, it looks good to me. I don't know. I, I can see fine. Maybe it's your age. yo. Oh, I don't know. She said... Kind of dark in here, isn't it? So I'm, I'm like opening blinds, opening, you know, curtains. And then she asked me a question. She said, uh, do we have any bulbs in the house? I'm like, yeah, man, bulbs everywhere. What are, you, what are you talking about? She said, do we have any extra light bulbs? I said, yeah, but I don't know why you're asking that. So this conversation literally went on for about a week. Until finally she looked at me one day. She was in the kitchen and I come back. She said, Alan Peacock. Look up. Do you see this light has been out for a week? Come on. How many of you know sometimes you can be so obvious with a person and they just miss it? And most of the time, it's us men. Ladies, let me help you right here real quick, if I could. If you want your man to do something, be extremely brutally honest. Like, like, don't just say it's dark in here. I'm like, no, it's not. Let me open some blinds. I, I have no reason to look up. But anyway, just trying to help you guys out. I say all of that to say, there's a guy in the Bible by the name of Habakkuk. Habakkuk felt this way with God. When you look at the life of Habakkuk and you read about his story, there was a moment in his life where he felt like he was crying out to God, but he felt like God wasn't listening to him. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 1. And we're just going to walk through the first couple chapters today. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. And and, and look at what Habakkuk says here. He says, Lord, how long must I ask for help and you ignore me? Like, God, I've been sending signals I've been talking about how dark it is. I've been talking about this, that, and the other. Lord, how long are you going to keep ignoring me? Because I keep crying out to you. But what does he say? You do not save us. God, I'm giving the signals. I'm crying out. Where are you at? Here's the thing you need to understand. God knew exactly what Habakkuk needed. The question is, how could Habakkuk position himself to hear from God. Because how many of you ever been in that season where you're crying out to God and you're praying and you're needing God to show up and he doesn't show up? How many of you know that's a lonely season? It's a lonely season in your life. And so this is where Habakkuk was. However, Habakkuk finally realized that there were five specific steps that he could take to hear from God. And so today I just wanna be real practical with you and I wanna give you five things that Habakkuk did. Matter of fact, I'm gonna say that there's five things you and I can do to position ourselves to hear from God. I call them the five W's today. The five W's. So if you're taking notes, write this down. Here's the first one. Number one, how can I position myself to hear from God? You've gotta withdraw, you've gotta withdraw, you've gotta get alone. In a quiet place. You've got to withdraw. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. What does it say? I will climb up to my watchtower. I will climb up to my watchtower. Now, the interesting thing about the watchtower is the watchtower was always in kind of a secluded place. It was a place where the watchmen would go and get into this tower, and it was completely quiet, secluded, so they could hear the enemy that was coming through the woods. They could see across the plain and see the enemy. There was no distraction. It was a secluded place. And so Habakkuk is saying, I've got to get in a quiet place. I've got to get alone with God. He wanted to eliminate all of the distractions. And how many of you know in the world that we're living in and the society that we're living in today, it is so full of noise. Have you ever noticed how noisy it is in the world that we're living in? Here's the thing. God could be yelling at you, but if there are a thousand other voices yelling at you too, how many of you know you're not going to hear from God? You're not going to hear from God. If you've ever been to a football stadium and, and you're in that stadium and, and if your team scores a touchdown and the crowd literally goes ecstatic, they're going wild, in that moment you literally cannot hear the person beside you talking. It is so noisy. It is so loud. But you can take that same scenario, that same stadium. You can empty the stadium out. And you can be sitting on one side of the stadium. And someone could be sitting on the other side of the stadium. And you can hear that person talking in a normal voice. Why? Because you've eliminated all of the competing voices in your life. And it's interesting because when you look at the life of Jesus, He was always trying to reach out and connect with people, but they oftentimes kept giving excuses. We see a perfect example of this in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. It says, but they all alike begin to what? Make excuses. The first one said, man, I just bought a field and I've got to go check it out. Excuse me. Another one said, I just bought five yokes of oxen. I just bought a John Deere. Yo, I got to go try it out. Excuse me. Another one said, I just got married. I can't come. The point is, there was all of these excuses. Everybody had so much going on in their lives, they didn't have time to get along with God. Here's the challenge that I want to give you going into 2020 now My challenge would be, what would your life look like if you could actually eliminate the competition against God in your life? And if you couldn't eliminate it, at least restrict it. What would your life look like in 2020 if you were to be willing to withdraw and eliminate the distractions? I read recently... A lady by the name of Susanna Wesley, and 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 if you know Susanna Wesley, her son was John Wesley, John Wesley, who went on to start the Methodist movement. Susanna was a praying woman, but Susanna had eighteen children. Let me just let that rest for a moment. Susanna had eighteen children. Where are you at, ladies? Eighteen children. How many of you know if you've got 18 children, there's no place you can go in your home where you can get some peace and quiet? So, back in those days, the ladies had the big poofy dresses. There were several layers. And so, what Susanna would do, history records, is that she would actually take a rocking chair, put it in the middle of the living room floor, and take one layer of her dress and put it over her head and begin to pray. And when all of the children would come in and see Mama's dress over her head, they knew Mama was talking to Jesus. How many of you know where there's a wheel, there's a way? I had a friend of mine one time, and he had several kids, and he had one bathroom in his house, a little two-bedroom house, one bathroom, doing the best he could, and he had a bunch of kids in his house, and there was no place he could go to get along with God, and so what he would do is he would literally go into the bathroom, lock the door, and stay in the bathroom, and that was his alone time. So I don't know what that looks like for you. The point is, you've got to find a place where you can withdraw from all of the noise, all of the distraction, and get along with God. Because the fact is, you and I will always struggle for guidance as long as the pressures of this world squeeze us. So we've got to back away. We've got to get alone. The problem is, the most common way we get guidance in the world today it's through the world. It's through the noise all around us. So I've got this person telling me something and that person telling me something. And I've got a, a suggestion over here and a recommendation over there. And I've got a naysayer over here. And oftentimes we receive guidance through all of the noise in the world. Kind of reminds me of Elijah in First Kings chapter 19 where, you know, Elijah... This mighty man of God, and he has recently, he, he killed all the prophets of Baal. He turned the whole heart of a nation back to God. It was, it was just a rejoicing day. Everything was great. And one woman said one thing and sent that guy running. And some of you are like, really? One woman? And all the fellows are like, if she's the right one, yeah. You'll get that later. So anyway, Elijah runs, he hides himself in a cave, and God says, hey, Elijah, come on out. I want to talk to you. And you know the Scriptures, the Bible said there was this huge wind that came by. And it was so noisy. And, and you would have thought, man, that's got to be God. But it said God was not in the wind. And then after that, there was this huge earthquake. And you've got mountains splitting and rocks busting. And, and oh man, surely this is God. But the scripture said God was not in the earthquake. But well, then there was this raging mighty fire that come through. And all of the noise and, and everything. And you would say, yes, no, God was not in the fire. But then after all of the noise... There was a gentle whisper. It was a still small voice that God was speaking. The point is, there's so much noise in this world. There's so much commotion in this world. And if you're not careful, you will miss the voice of God entirely. So the first step in order to position yourself to, to hear from God is you've got to withdraw to a quiet place. The Bible says in Luke chapter 5 verse 16, Jesus often did what? He withdrew to lonely places And prayed. How many of you know Jesus led an active life? Jesus had crowds so large they didn't even count them. They just called them multitudes. Everywhere this guy went, it was so many people, so much noise, so much commotion. But Jesus himself oftentimes withdrew to a lonely place to get away. And so sometimes you've got to find that place. You've got to withdraw. Here's the second W if you're taking notes. Not only do you withdraw. Withdraw, that's kind of the easy part. Here's the second one. Wait. Wait. Turn to somebody and say, you need to wait. Come on, how many of you guys got problem with patience? Anybody got? Yeah, thank you for being honest. You've got to... Wait, you got to calm your thoughts and your emotions. Still in Habakkuk 2 verse 1, still in that first verse, not only is he climbing up to the watchtower, but what is he doing? He says, I will station myself. I will station myself. The word station there literally means don't move, stay put, don't run around. It's a military term that literally means take up position until relief comes. Like, stay where you are. Hold your ground. Stand your ground. And so sometimes you, you, you rush in and say, Okay, I, God, I need to hear from you, but Lord, I don't have but a few minutes. And so you rush in and you try to pray real quick and then you rush right out. But how many of you know it is so difficult to hear from anyone if you're too busy? If you're not willing to wait? The truth is, many of us today, we look at our lives, we look at where we are, the reality that is us, and the reason why we're so stressed out, we're burnt out, we don't know which way is up, which way is down, and the reason for all of that is because we have so many things going on in our lives. And it's just like everything piling on at one time, and we don't know what to do. It's pretty interesting because we see a perfect picture of this in the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10 verse 39 and 40 and talks about Mary and Martha and you know they had a brother named Lazarus and there was a day where Jesus just popped up at their house. I mean if you know if Jesus shows up at your house that's that's something to you know to get ready for. So Jesus comes he's got the entourage everybody's with him and so there's a lot of stuff that has to be done a lot of preparations to be made you would think. And it says that Martha had a sister named Mary and what did Mary do? She seated herself at the Lord's feet, and was listening to His teaching. So even though there was all this commotion, all this busyness, all this stuff that had to be done, Mary made a choice to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to Him. But what did Martha do? But Martha, what does it say? Overly occupied and too busy. Overly occupied and too busy was what? Distracted with all the serving. Here you've got the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, sitting in your living room. And you are worried about putting some meatballs on the stove. (laughs) Sit at the feet of Jesus. But this is a perfect picture of our lives because this describes where a lot of us are, guys. We want to hear from God, but there's just too much going on right now. And the truth is, you're never going to hear God's voice clearly until you're willing to slow down. The point is, you got to make time for God. And if you're taking notes, write this down. If you don't make time for God, there will be no time with God. Come on, if you don't make time for God, there will be no time with God. And so oftentimes, what do we do? We we jump in that prayer closet and we say, Lord, bless, 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 give me, give me, give me. We jump up as if to say, Lord, catch me if you can. I'm off. I prayed. But hear me today, hurry Is the death of prayer. Hurry. Is the death. Of prayer. Do you realize that what the devil can't stop. He will accelerate in your life. So he knows that he can't keep you. From withdrawing. He can't keep you from going into your prayer closet. Because that's what you need to do. So you go in your prayer closet. But what he'll do. Is speed up everything in your life. To the point where you don't have time. To stay in that place. What the devil devil can't stop. He will accelerate. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says this. Let the peace that Christ gives. Do what? Control your thinking. So you understand when you just jump in that prayer closet. And and, and you don't stay there. And you don't wait on God. Then then all of the ideas and the impressions you get. They're going to be based on feelings. Not based on God. I remember the night before I was to marry my love, my honey, my girl. Come on, somebody. The night before, I was all in my feelings. Because the only thing I heard was, run, brother, run. As fast as you can. Don't get rid of the single life. It's the best life. Run. But how many of you know that was my feelings? That was my emotions. I'm glad I didn't go by that. So you've got to get in that place along with God and you've got to wait to get God's perspective, to get God's peace, to get God's calm. But man, let's see if you can relate to this because here's generally how my prayer life works. I, I get into that place and I start praying and I get settled in and, and every single time I do, there's like a thousand things that just pop in my mind at one time. Does anybody ever have that problem or is it just me? Thank you for being honest. The rest of you, check your because mm, 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 you're lying. So I'm just playing. So no, but when you get into that prayer closet, you get into that time of prayer and you're there, there's all of these things that start coming to your mind. And if you're not careful, you will start thinking about all of the things that you need to do, all of the people you need to call and you've missed your whole time with God. And so here's what I've started doing when I go into my prayer place. I've got some little yellow sticky pads. I've got a pin by me. So when I'm on my knees, I'm praying as soon as a thought comes to my head. Because what I used to do, I used to just kind of push that thought away. But what I found out is when I tried to push the thought away, it would come back screaming at me. And then I would feel guilty because I felt like I was going to forget what I was supposed to do. So here's what I do when I'm praying. A thought comes to my mind. I stop. I pause. I write it down. I get back in my place of prayer. And ultimately, within a few minutes, I reached that sweet spot. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? There is a sweet spot in prayer. David said, it's the secret place. It's the place where I get alone with God. It's the place where I commune with God. I communicate with God. There's there's a dialogue taking place. I'm talking. He's talking. But in that first few minutes, there's, there's chaos. There's busyness. There's all the clutter. But eventually, if you stay there in that place, there's the sweet spot you find in the presence of God. Hear me today the enemy of your soul will come in and try to condemn you when you're in prayer. That ever happened to you before? You get in and pray and then all of a sudden, man, what do you think you're doing here? Who are you to be in this place? And so all of the, the accusations of the enemy of your soul comes into your mind and comes into your heart. And if you're not careful, you will leave the place of prayer. Why? Because nobody wants to be in a place where every time you get around somebody, they're constantly pointing out all of your faults and your failures. But hear me today. If you've got any thought that tries to pull you out of that prayer place, it's not from God. from the enemy of your soul Romans chapter 8 verse 1 tells me this there is what no condemnation for those who believe in Jesus Christ God convicts Satan condemns so you got to get into that quiet place you've got to get into the right frame of mind how do you do that there's really just two ways how can I get into the right frame of mind number one relax relax everybody do this for me real quick Say, breathe in breathe out Come on, one more time, breathe in, breathe out. Come on, don't you feel so much better by just doing that? You've got to relax. Psalms chapter 46 verse 10 says what? Be still. Be still and know that I am God. And I love this verse here because it's almost saying you'll never know He is God until you're still enough to know He's God. Be still and know I'm God. So you have to relax. You have to resign as the CEO of your life. Get comfortable. Sit before the Lord. Relax. Take a deep breath. Here's the second thing be quiet. Turn to your neighbor and say, I know that's hard for you. Be quiet. Be quiet. Psalms chapter 62, verse 5. For God alone, my soul, what waits in silence? Be quiet. Get along with God. Be quiet. That's how you position yourself to hear from God. You withdraw. You wait. How do I wait? I relax. I be, I'm quiet. But then here's the third W. You've got to get God's perspective. You've got to get God's perspective. Watch. Again, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1. Still in verse 1. How many of you know verse 1 has got a lot of cool stuff? What does it say? I will what? Look. To see what he will say to me, I will look to see what he will say to me. The word "look" there is a Hebrew word; it means "roah." It it, it is gaze, take heed, perceive, focus full attention on. Habakkuk not only looked—not excuse me—not only listened, but he looked to see what God would say to him. It's called a vision. It's called a vision. God will oftentimes give you a picture of a preferred future. He will paint something in your mind. It is a vision. It is something you see. He will oftentimes give you a vision more so than writing something in the clouds for you. Bill Hybel says vision is a picture of a future that produces passion. There's a vision that comes inside of you. There's a vision that you see. Walt Disney, it was said, had a vision for Disney World. But how many of you know he never physically saw it come to pass? He died before it opened up. And so they they say that on the day that Disney World opened, the CEO of Disney World stood up and said, Man, we're, we're so sorry. We wish Walt could be here. He never got a chance to see this. Well, Walt's wife was actually there on the podium. She stood up, walks to the podium, and she said, Sir, I have to correct you. You don't understand. Walt did see it, and that's why you're living it. It's a vision. It's a vision. What is God speaking into your heart? What is God saying to you? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. So that you know the hope to which he's called you. Open the eyes of my heart. It's interesting because when you're born, you're born with physical senses. You've got hearing, touch, taste, smell, sight. When you're born again, you're born with spiritual senses. You can feel the presence of God. You you, you feel His presence. Some of you today, when you drove up in the parking lot, you felt the presence of God. Some of you, when you walked into the church today, you felt the presence of God. Some of you during worship, you felt the presence of God. And some of you in here don't have a clue what I'm talking about, and that's fine. But for all of us, we all have a dramatic change in life when we develop an awareness that there is a God that loves you and speaks to you. And He wants to give you a vision. He wants to give you a dream for your life. There is a calling attached to you. There is a destiny attached to you. There is purpose attached to you. The reason why you are here, you are sitting in here right now, is because years ago, in in a kitchen table, Misty and I were praying and fasting. And I said, look, during this time of prayer and fasting, we're going to seek God and say, God, what do you want for us? And so we didn't know. We didn't have a clue. And so we didn't talk to each other about what god was speaking to us and then on the day we sat across the table from each other and i said well what's god saying to you and she said well what's god saying to you i said well what's he saying to you how many of you know you have that conversation with your wife where you want to eat i don't know where you want to i don't know where you so we were having that i said i tell you what let's take a piece of paper let's write it down and put it to the middle she said okay we wrote it down put it in the middle. you know what it said it said plant plant the church And so why? Because in our hearts, in our minds, we saw a church that was just like heaven. It was populated with Jew and Gentile and Greek and everybody. And if you look around this church, what do you see? You see different races. You see different nationalities. You see different people. Every tongue, tribe, and nation is represented. Why? Because it started with a vision from God. What is the vision for your life? What is God calling you to that's bigger than yourself? God, open the eyes of my heart and help me to see what you want me to see. Elisha, when he was in in Dothan, the Scripture said that he was there and he had his servant with him and, and the king was after him. And so the king sent all of the All of his army and all of these mighty warriors and these horses and everything all there. And and so the servant gets up and he looks out his tent and he's he's just terrorized by what he sees. He runs back into tent and he says, Elisha, you're not going to believe it. They're here to get us, man. What are we going to do? Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes. Open the eyes of this man's heart. Let him see that they that are with us. Or more than they that are with him, And he went outside, and he didn't see it in the physical, but he saw it in the spiritual. The Bible says that behind these all of these warriors was heavenly hosts of armies and horses and chariots of fire that were protecting Elisha. It's a vision. Let me ask you kind of a pointed question real quick, and I'll move on. When is the last time God gave you a vision? For your home, for your family, for your ministry, for your life. When is the last time you withdrew, you, you, you got along with God, you, you waited to hear His voice, and you watched for the vision He was giving you? But then here's the fourth W. Not only do we withdraw, not only do we wait, not only do we watch, number four, we We write. We write. Record the ideas that you receive. Write it down. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. Finally out of verse 1. The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Why? So they may run who read it. You get the progression here? Chapter 1, Habakkuk is asking God specific questions. What do I do? What's going to happen? And in chapter 2, he goes through the W's. He withdrew. He waited. He watched. And now here's God saying, hey, write down what I'm saying to you. You say, well, what does that have to do with us? Well, let me just say this. For some of you in here, if you could be honest, maybe your prayer life's in a rut right now. You just feel like you're just going to prayer and nothing really happening. You're not really sensing anything. It's, it's almost like, you know, the old timers had to quote the brass, you know, the heavens are brass. And so, you know, it just hits the ceiling and falls back down and nothing is happening. And you just feel kind of like mundane. You just feel like you're going through the motions. Can I, can I offer a solution to you to break that? Do what Habakkuk did. Write down your prayers. Write down the questions. Write down the needs. Write down what it is God's speaking into your heart. You can call it journaling. You can call it whatever you want. And I know for women, this is a lot easier than it is for men. I understand that. But guys, can I tell you something? God may speak into your heart in such a way, and if you don't write it down, you know what's going to happen? You're going to forget it. You're going to forget it. I have notes in my file cabinet right down of different times and different places where I was praying specifically for my children and God would speak into my heart and give me a promise or give me a scripture and immediately I took a pen and paper and I just wrote it down. I folded it up and I put it in that file cabinet. And every once in a while I pull that cabinet out and I pull them out and I just start reading them and all of a sudden it's just like the power inside of me. There's something inside of me that comes alive again. Why? Because that was a promise. From the scripture, it was a promise from God. I take you guys, and I've told you this before; it's no secret. But, but usually, I, I take a Bible, and I'll take that Bible, and I'll hold it for two years. And in that two years time span, every day I'm in that word, and I write in my Bible. Oh, can you write in your Bible? Yes, you'll be fine. I write in my Bible. I write notes in my Bible. For two years, I'll do that with each Bible. I'm on my third one right now. I mean, you know I got four kids. It going take me a while to get it done. But I'll write these little notes so that when my time is gone, when I'm, when, when I'm in heaven, when I'm rejoicing and I'm living life, they're going to open that Bible and say, man, that was what I needed. That was for me. If you fail to write it down, no one will remember it, not even you. You've got to be willing to write it down. It helps you to keep track. It gives your body something to do while you're praying. How many of you know when you're writing something, your mind's not full of a whole lot of stuff? Your mind doesn't wonder. You get those, those, those impressions, those ideas, which again, next week we're going to be talking about that. If you get an idea or an impression from God, how many of you know uh, when you're praying, that's not the time to test it? But when you get through praying, that's the time to test. And so next week, we're going to talk about there's seven filters that when you get an idea and you say, is this from God? I don't know. Is this me? Is it the burrito? Is it pizza? I don't know. Where's it coming from? There's seven filters. You run it through. We're going to talk about that next week. But if you don't write it down, you're not going to remember it. Turn to somebody and say, you need to write. Withdraw. Wait. Watch. Write. Here's the fifth W. Worship, worship, thank God for speaking into your heart and into your soul and into your life. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 2, oh Lord, now I've heard your report and what am I going to do? I'm going to worship you in all. I've heard from you. I've heard the report. God, now that I've asked you and now that you've answered me, I'm filled with gratitude. I'm filled with love. Do you understand that when you do the first four W's, it's automatic that you worship. But on the flip side of that, if you fail to do the first four W's, there is no worship. You've got to worship God and understand that this is really the biblical method for, for changing your prayer life. Because for many of you, it's, it's, it's really just a monologue. You know, you're going in and you're doing all the talking. And God, bless me here, bless me there. Do this, do that. I'm out, catch me if you can and all of that. And so there's this monologue and you're just saying, Okay, God, I'm believing you for something great. See you later. But if you do these W's, if you take them and put them into practice, your prayer life goes from monologue to dialogue. So now there's a communication. There's me talking. There's God talking. There's me hearing the voice of God and receiving what He has for me. Guys, this will change your life in 2020. I don't say that often, but if you can grab hold of this, what I'm talking about, if you can put this into practice, the the five W's, Miss Gina, can we put that on the screen? If you can put the five W's into practice it will change your prayer life and your walk with God will be changed dramatically. Dramatically. Why? Because God is speaking. Are we listening? Are we giving Him the time that He needs to be able to speak into our heart? So what do we need to do? We need to withdraw. Climb the watchtower. Get along with God. Sometimes it's hard at my house to withdraw because we've got four kids. And they're running around and they're hollering. You touched me. You touched me. You hit me. He looked at me. That's my favorite one. He looked at me. One of them had a, a plastic bat the other day and he clobbered the other one in the head. I said, what is happening? He said, he looked at me. Pray for my household. There's not a lot of places we can go to get alone and withdraw, but but I do have an office at my house, and I go up there, and my kids know when the door is shut, that is communing with God. Let's leave him alone. And so I don't know what that looks like for you. And in, in your house and your your reality of where you are, maybe you're like Susanna Wesley. Maybe you've got so many kids. You know, you don't know what to do. You don't know what it's going on. You don't know what's happening. You're like, God, I need you. Put the dress over your head. You got to withdraw. But then what else do you have to do? You have to wait. You have to wait for God to show up. You have to wait for Him to speak into your heart. Wait for Him. Don't be in such a hurry. Don't you know, Life is, just goes by so fast. I see these little babies in the house and, you know, it brings back memories when our kids at night, don't get me wrong, I don't want no more babies. I'm too old for that and got the patience for it no more. But, but I remember what it was like and I remember having Caleb and, and Aiden and, and, and Lane and Samantha just come sit in your lap and just, oh, just love. And now I'm like the old man in the house. I'm just a bank. Just whenever they need something, they just come. Lane's truck was messing up the other day. He was freaking out. I was in a conference all week, all weekend. I've been speaking, and, and I had just literally got off the stage, and I was sitting down, and I got a text from Missy saying, hey, Lane needs you now. I'm like, Jesus, something has happened. What is going on? Well, he was broke down in the middle of the road. Think of a 16-year-old. That's kind of scary so I jump out I'm like man I'm sorry guys I gotta go so I left got him up long story short we went to you know the auto store not advanced auto come on how many of you know we got O'Reilly in the house holler holler come on give it up for O'Reilly it's a plug JP went to the store I said hey you mind checking the battery checking the alternator battery was dead yeah 150 bucks I said, okay. I look at Lane. Lane's like. They got it. There you go. Only time they see me, only time it is when they need something. So you gotta wait, man. I miss those times with our kids. Cherish the moments that you have and wait. When you get in God's presence, wait, but then you watch. God, I need a vision. Show me something. I'm here for a reason. I'm not just here taking up space. I'm not just here occupying time. What, what is it you need me to do? Give me a vision. I'm going to watch. And then when you give me that vision, when you give me that idea, that impression, I'm, I'm going to write. And then I'm going to worship because, God, I know you're moving and you're working. Stand with me all over the house. God, we want to hear from you. year of the Bible. We need you in our hearts. We need you in our lives. Father, we've come now to what seems to be the end of the service, but God, it's actually a perfect moment for us to connect with you. You've been speaking. You've been drawing. You've been wooing us through the whole service. You've been pulling our heartstrings. And so now, God, we... We surrender. We give it all to you. Because we love you. And so, Father, we're going to put these five W's into practice for 2020. We're going to have daily times where we withdraw. We're going to have those moments where we wait in your presence to hear from you. We're going to to watch for the vision. We're going to watch for that thing that you want to show us. We're going to write these things down. Why? Because we don't want to miss them. We, We don't want to forget them. And after all, God, after all of that, we're going to worship. We're going to worship. Now look at me. It's 2020. I told you guys last week that every message in this series, I want to give you an opportunity to just come to the altar and pray, and just hear from God. And what is God speaking to you? What is God saying to you? It's not a requirement if you got to go. There's snipers out there waiting for you but if you can stay that'll be great there was literally some guys walking out and he was like <laughs> i want this to be a time around the altar we're a family it's a year of the bible it's a year of hearing from god What's God speaking to you? What's He speaking to you for your family? What's He speaking to you for your life? What's He saying to you? When is the last time you've heard the voice of God and read the Word and had Him speak to your heart? When is the last time you've heard from Him? Let this be the year that you say, God, I want to connect with you more. I want to hear from you more. I want you to give me a vision so big it scares me because without you I know it can't be done. So if you're here today and you want to come to the altar, come on, guys, right now. Let's come. Let's pray. Come on. Let's come. Let's pray. Let's come. Let's pray. Seeking God, calling out to Him. Father, we need you.